welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, things are going well down there in Atlanta. Stop oh. snowing yet? <laughs> the weather's <laughs> lovely down here. <laughs> After you guys were down here, we had a, a nice trip uh, when we came down for Fabtech. We've got some very interesting things going on, on with today's show. We have a discussion with Brad Holcomb about the latest ISM report that's out. And, and Lou and I are going to discuss uh, for a few moments what's going on with the port strike. I'm uh, no, sorry, the port work slowdown that uh, the International Longshoremen and Warehouse Union says is not a slowdown, and some of the factors surrounding that. And uh, in a moment, uh, uh, Lou will give us a update on last week's show, which was really quite interesting, and we'll jump into uh, today's show, Lou. Uh, last week we had a, an interesting gentleman on the on the air. I'm not going to tell you his name because I'm going to make you go to our website and find it yourself. Uh, and he spoke about disruptive thinking, which is a very interesting term. And you will never guess what it is unless you listen to him. And he goes on for an hour, and uh, we found it uh, incredibly interesting and I think vital to any business strategy. Uh, that one would should look at and contemplate making some alterations in the way they do strategic planning. So go take a look at last week's show um, and, uh, you know, get a dose of disruptive thinking. Uh, the news uh, today, uh, Tim has uh, already given you a hint on that. Uh, the news is about the L.A. slowed down and the West Coast port slowed down. And uh, we feel that this is such an important uh, topic that we are going to do a news commentary at the near the end of the show and go into some uh, serious depth on this topic. Uh, what you don't know to most of the listeners is that this is a crisis in the making. And uh, nobody's saying anything. Nobody's doing anything about it. So we're out on the air. Hopefully mainstream press at some point will pick up on this and make an issue. I think there's only one that we've seen have any stories on that, and that was uh, CNBC. Uh, All the others have gone dormant and are off the radar. Uh, And that includes uh, my favorite place and hometown, Washington, D.C., so, uh, without any further ado, uh, Tim, uh, take it away. Well, Brad, uh, Brad Holcomb is back with us today to talk about the uh, ISM report, the latest one for November. Uh, a, a good report, and we'll let Brad kind of jump in here. Brad, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. It's always great to, to be here and talk about uh, manufacturing uh, from the ISM uh, report on business. Well, we certainly appreciate you going into this report in some depth because I think it really helps our listeners understand what's going on. And this coupled with uh, Tony Nieves' report, and by the way, both Brad and Tony will be on with us next week for the ISM's annual 2015 forecast. Uh, We're looking forward to that. But both of those reports together have really been quite invaluable. Uh, Brad, what do you have in store for us today? Well, the November report uh, was released on Monday, and uh, it's a very, very good report with the PMI at uh, 58.7, which is just three-tenths of a point off the high for the year that we saw both in October last month and also in August. And uh, 59 uh, for those two months uh, was also the highest reading since, um, I think, about three years, uh, three and a half years. So. We continue the momentum that's been building all year long and the, and the trend that's, uh, quote, unquote, up and to the right. And uh, all of the supporting metrics uh, are very positive, and we'll talk about those as we go along. 
Okay, that'd be great. Um, why don't we get right into uh, the report itself? Uh, Fifty-eight point seven is, is uh, it rolls up to a slightly lower number than last month, but still it's well above fifty. So a very strong report. No, exactly. Uh, well above fifty, and again, we'd like to to first focus on the number itself. Fifty-eight point seven. It's a very strong number. Anytime you start to get close to sixty. Uh, things are are moving uh, very well and and growing at a at a good clip. Um, and by the way, the PMI has been trending uh, positive, growing for 18 consecutive months. And I think that uh, 18 months ago we just hit 50, even. So it's been a, a long trend uh, with that one uh, you know sort of flat spot at 50 18 months ago. Uh, this year has been, uh, you know, a wonderful climb from from January, uh, starting at 51.3 and increasing almost continuously uh, throughout the year, with uh, a slight uh, uh, dip between August and October, both at 59, as I mentioned. That September number was down to 56.6, still representing strong growth. And now back to, to 58.7, you know, particularly strong growth uh, supported by, you know, many, many of our industries. In fact, 14 of our 18 industries are reporting growth in November uh, with only one uh, reporting contraction, and that one being apparel, leather, and allied products. So there are three that are even from last month along with the 14 that are showing uh, growth uh, over the previous month. Well, that's certainly strong. Uh, and it's, this has been the trend all year long, as you mentioned, Brad. This is, uh, I'm, I'm excited about next week's show because my sense is that we're going to have uh, a very good uh, annual forecast, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, and that's, the numbers you just shared um are really off of your chart. Is that right? The last 12 months that uh, is always in your report? Uh, that's that's correct. We do show a chart uh, on page three of the PMI in particular. And, uh, you know, there's 12 months showing. So from December of, of last year, you know, then picking up in, in January and moving forward to, uh, to November. Um, while I'm on that page, uh, let me talk about the average so far this year from January through November, 55.8%. That corresponds in our uh, correlation to a 4.2% increase in real gross domestic product uh, on an annualized basis. So um, I, I think that's... Uh, you know, correlating well with uh, with current uh, projections on on GDP, and as we look at the November number of 58.7, uh, that starts to touch in the five percent area, uh, if that were to be sustained. Um, you know, on an average basis, uh, with respect to our correlation studies. Uh, Brad, let me. Uh bring up before the show started we were talking and there's a number uh, your secret little formula we call it here the new orders slash inventory index Uh, you want to explain that and um, demonstrate how that uh, works and why it's so good yes I think um, you know your, your listening audience knows we have five metrics that uh, fold into the PMI directly. Uh, Just quickly, those are new orders, production, employment, supplier deliveries, and inventories, all equally weighted, so at 20% each that fold into the PMI. Then we carry in the report, you know, other metrics that um, are meaningful and and, uh, supportive as well, customer inventories, prices of raw materials, backlog of orders, and then exports and imports. Uh, So those are all visible within the report. One that I like to to do for myself on the side is 
taking new orders and subtracting the inventory's number. And what I found is that, and and the logic is, you know, you need you need plenty of inventory, you know, to support high levels of, of new orders. And the anytime it gets to be a positive five in terms of new orders minus inventories, then I have the feeling that you know we're in, we're in really good shape, okay, in terms of you know the whole system, if you will. It's just another kind of double check. Well, right now it's at fourteen and a half, so it's uh, as we talked earlier, it's it's kind of three times a good number, and so. There are other things within the report that we'll come to that suggest to me that we're going to end up uh, the year uh, strong as well, and part of that is the growing backlog of orders. You've been doing this uh, quite a while, Brad, and I don't think I've ever asked you. How long have you been doing this report? I've been doing this uh, about four years. Um, so really not that long compared to my predecessor, Norbert Orr, who did it for about 15 years. So uh, I've got a way, ways to go if I want to break that record. <laughs> okay. Well, good. We hope you break the record. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, my, my colleague, Tony Nieves, has been doing it uh, for, for, I think, about 10 years on the non-manufacturing side. So I'm the, I'm the new kid on the block. Oh my gosh! I didn't realize. That's four that. years. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, Brad. Let, let me ask you. Uh, we did uh, kind of showcase uh, today's show uh, uh, regarding the uh, uh, your report, as well as uh, the issues going on at the port. And right. I know there are some comments that are were made within your report from uh, some of your participants. Uh, do you care yeah. to uh, repeat those? And also, I'm yes. going to frame it with a question. Do you think that there's uh, the possibility, and I know you hate predicting things, do you think that there's any uh, likelihood that this is going to affect uh, either the December and or January uh, future reports? Yes, but I don't hate predicting. I just hate being wrong all the time when I do. <laughs> so, um, but um, seriously, the the comments that we get from the panel are so invaluable because they give us insights beyond the numbers. I mean, all of the numbers are good this month. They're they're more than good, and we'll talk more about them. But the comments are more forward looking beyond the numbers this month. They reflect, um, in, uh, in, in almost all cases, optimism for the future based on uh, demand and, and new orders and such from a variety of, of industries. But I also did pick up uh, three comments from the panel regarding this um, you know, slowdown situation in the West Coast uh, ports. And the first one... Um, is from the fabricated metal products industry, and the quote is this, continued strong demand, that's the positive note, but deliveries through the West Coast are delayed due to a number of factors. And we can infer from that uh, one of those uh, key factors is the West Coast uh, port uh, slowdown situation. Also, uh, next, from the transportation equipment uh, industry, we have seen continued growth in transportation equipment. However, slowdowns and threats of strike of West Coast longshoremen weigh heavily on U.S. operations. And I think the key operative words there are weigh heavily on U.S. operations. So they're quite concerned in the transportation equipment industry. Um, the third comment along these lines is from Chemical Products, and it says West Coast Port Longshoreman slowdown is affecting business with longer lead times. So they're they're concerned about it now, uh, and they're concerned about it, you know, for for the next few months. 
even though it's not particularly showing up uh, in the report this month in terms of actual numbers. It certainly when, certainly could, and you folks have more insight into into those possibilities. At the end of this show, we're going to do the news commentary about that, and uh, Tim and I have uh, a series of uh, figures and facts and so on, uh, and how deep this could actually go. And uh, we'll, so we will bring up all that uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, Tim? Okay. Yeah, Brad, why don't we take a look at, at uh, new orders and, and what's happening with those? Sure, sure. New orders is up two-tenths of a point from, from last month to an even 66%. And um, it's been a growing index for uh, the last 18 months, and this month it's growing faster than last month by a little bit. The number of industries reporting growth in new orders are 11 of our industries, but also six of the 18 are showing even from last month. And let's remember last month was a very good month. So 17 of our industries are either reporting growth in November over October or even with October with only one uh, reporting a decrease in new orders. And that again is apparel, leather and allied products. The same has showed up in the PMI list. So very, very broad-based, a very strong number. And the, the next one is, is production, which is working hard to sort of keep up with that, up um, actually down four-tenths of a point from last month, which is really just noise level. But at 64.4, production is, you know, is, is pounding away, if you will and has been for nine consecutive months. Uh, I, have, I have a question, uh, Brad, with regards to the numbers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, broad, the broad thinking person in this crowd here. Um, okay. When, when you're showing a number of 0 0.1, 0 0.2, up or down in either direction, uh, is that really indicative of uh, any major consequence, or is it, just that you're really not sure which way it's going. Well, it, it represents, um, you know, actually what's going on from our from our survey of you know 350 or so panelists, and so it all kind of rolls up and and you know the math gives us those numbers. But when we get to you know a couple of tenths of a point or possibly even a half a point. Um, it's I, I use the term noise level. It's it's not really noise. It's just normal variation. And you know, if it was two or three tenths, you know, particularly at this level in the 60s, high 50s, um, you can almost say it was even from last month, from uh, from a practical standpoint. By the way, for our listeners, this report is available at www.ism.ws, and there are some things in the report that become you know, a little redundant on the air when we're uh, repeating them over and over, such as the industries that are reporting growth and those that are um, reporting no change or may decrease. Brad has gone over those in the past. Uh, he's not necessarily going over all of those today, but we encourage you to get a hold of a copy of the report and read into those sections, for instance, under new orders, all of the industries there that uh, Brad surveys are listed. They're also listed in production. Uh, and as we go into employment, they're also listed. So I just want to make sure our listeners understand yeah. that. And Brad, why don't you touch on employment for just a moment? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll hit employment next. And then I want to keep going down through the list. And then I want to pull a couple of those together to to talk about uh, you know what this uh, potentially means for the last month of the year so starting with uh, em em employment 54.9 it's off six tenths of a point uh, from last month but it is growing at a at a nice rate 54.9 nearly 55 
been growing for 17 consecutive months, uh, and I think that this, uh, you know, bodes well for employment numbers that will come out, I believe, on Friday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, next is, uh, did you have a question about employment? Well, you know, Brad, rather than break your role, uh, we're going to take a, a commercial break here, and then we're going to come back so that you can uh, have a, another, you know, full 20 minutes to go through the rest Great. of this report. So uh, rather than uh, interrupt that, why don't we go to a commercial break, and we'll be back in just a few moments with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now, with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, thomasnetjobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, thomasnetjobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember... ThomasNetJobs.com. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the voice of manufacturing globally. And by the way, we do appreciate hearing from our listeners. We have received emails that were sent to info at mfgtalkradio.com from Venezuela, India, Brazil. China, please feel free to send us an email if you're interested in making a comment about the show. And just for our listeners to know, on Thursday of this week, we have a special show, same time, same channel. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Thomas Nett. We're going to have Linda Regano on. We will have Kevin Wolf, who's from Powell Manufacturing. And we will have Karen Norheim from American Crane talking about some of the issues surrounding manufacturing. And now let's get back to Brad Holcomb and his report with the ISM. Brad, back to you. Very good. Just to finish off the employment number at 54.9, on our page four of the report, we show, according to our correlation studies that we refreshed in January, an employment index above 50.6 over time is generally consistent with an increase in the Bureau of Labor Statistics data on manufacturing employment. So again, look for that on Friday. Next, uh, let me talk about supplier deliveries at 56.8. It's up 0.6 percentage points. It indicates that supplier deliveries of raw materials to manufacturing are slowing and slowing faster, and they've been slowing for 18 consecutive months. Uh, I'll tie that in with with inventories in in a second. Um, But just remember that deliveries are slowing, and they're slowing faster. So inventories of raw materials is down a percent to 51.5. Inventories are are growing, but growing slower. And if you go back to, to new orders at 66 and what we were talking about earlier of new orders minus inventories at 14.5, at this point, our manufacturers would like to have more inventory on hand to meet the demand that they see, not just now, but on their order books uh, for coming months. Supplier deliveries are kind of holding that back. So. There's tightness in the supply chain. 
you know, it's mostly good news, but it is, uh, you know, no doubt impacting the level of inventories on hand. It's not a problem at this point. It just kind of shows how all of these metrics sort of work together, and you can gain insights from from looking at and thinking through each one, and then certain ones in combination. Brad, is there right. any particular reason why supplier deliveries are actually slowing, and is there any cause for it that you pick up in your comments or in your research? Oh, it's it's just a, a general uh, trend right now, which um, indicates sort of a, a robust environment and you know suppliers, you know, sort of working hand to mouth in this environment, trying to keep mm-hmm. up, um, okay. but you know, he- hesitant to you know to add labor or to to add assets, um, but rather. You know, it's working for everybody, but it just indicates that everybody's busy. And, uh, again, that's that's mostly good news. If it got, you know, much higher, uh, then they would have to do something about it, like, you know, add labor or, um, you know, add sources of supply and and things like that. Okay, Okay. great. All right, So, so now customer inventories. Uh, so we've just finished the list of those five which feed directly into the PMI. Customer inventories is the next one, and it's at 50 even, which we say is just about right in terms of customer inventories of, of our finished goods uh, being at sort of a nominal level, if you will. And that doesn't happen very often. I think it's only happened three or four times that it's hit 50 even uh, in the in the history of this particular metric. Um, previously, we'd been on a run of, uh, of of many months of customer inventories being too low. Mm-hmm. So right. so we'll have to, have to watch that. It's at an inflection point right now, and. Uh, you know, this strike situation could uh, could bear some impact on this as we go forward. Next is very, very interesting, prices of raw materials. We talk about, you know, what's meaningfully up and meaningfully down. This is meaningfully down 9 percentage points from last month to 44.5. It's the first time that we've seen decreasing prices um, uh, below 50 in, in quite some time, and specifically um, since uh, July of, of 2013. Um, and it hasn't, so it hasn't been below 50 since July of 2013, and it hasn't been uh, lower than this particular level since July of 2012. So it's quite low, and I think everybody can guess that the, the major impact is crude oil and and related products such as the obvious diesel and gasoline. I mean, I filled up my tank here in Texas at 229 for regular yesterday. Oh, great number. And, and, and there's uh, there's news uh, reports and, and forecasts that it should go below two bucks in Texas and seven other states that have proximity to um, refineries. So I when do, we I get to uh, – go ahead. Sorry, Brad. I just wanted to give a nod to my friend Newt Gingrich. Uh, when I talked to him when he was running for president, he claimed that we could get gasoline down below $2.50 a gallon. Turns out he was right, but nobody bought it at the time. That's right. Um so prices down, we, we have a companion list of commodities down in price, which includes you know crude oil, diesel, gasoline, uh, but also the oil-based products, resin, which is you know, oil-based, and then the metals, stainless steel, hot rolled steel, copper, uh, uh, and nickel, which take a lot of energy to produce. Those are also down as well as a, as a consequence. Um, so, prices down of raw materials is is you know very good news at least in the short to medium term for manufacturing, 
and particularly of the ener the energy sector commodities, because as you all know, it takes a lot of energy to run our plants, and we get the second benefit of reduced uh, you know raw materials in many cases as well. So this is an opportunity to open up margins uh, to keep manufacturing even healthier, you know, moving forward and inclined to spend, uh, you know, capital on plants as needed as well. Next is the backlog of orders up two percentage points to 55. So the backlog is growing uh, and it's growing faster than last month. And let's reflect now on new orders at 66 and production at 64.4. Production at that high level still isn't able to keep up uh, with, uh, with new orders uh, and backlog of orders because both are, are growing. And so production is, is the constraining uh, factor right now, which uh, is often the case you know, in an environment like this. Uh, it, it production works to the level of labor that it has available, the level of assets that it has available, and uh, will only add uh, to the employment roles when things get, uh, you know, a little bit tighter. So we like to see the backlog of orders uh, high at this point, and I alluded before that, you know, there are certain things that sort of add up to me to suggest that next month we're positioned very well to have a strong month next month as well because of this backlog and new orders and the comments that we have that are generally very optimistic. Okay. Uh, Brad, just a, a comment I'd like to throw in the middle of this uh, regarding uh, employment. Uh, as you know, uh, there's this millennial gray hair, lack of workers, 600,000 uh, $600, manufacturing jobs available and probably growing. Um, how is that going to affect these numbers or are they already playing a role in these numbers? Because at some point, you know, with reshoring happening and new, new business coming into American companies, you not have, if you don't have employment, these numbers new orders and backlog and all these numbers are going to start to dissipate. Uh, do you have a comment on that? Right. Um, well, there's certainly, you know, a lot of uh, interrelated issues there. And I, I guess my best answer is to stay tuned for the December 9th release of the uh, forecast for 2015 where we'll talk about our expectations for employment very specifically for next year uh, uh, as well tease. as a number of these these other indicators there's the tease for you yeah okay good plug <laughs> okay good good now finishing off our list uh, in our manufacturing at a glance table are exports and imports exports at 55 is up Three and a half points, growing faster than last month, and growing for the 24th consecutive month. Exports represents largely finished products going from the U.S. overseas. Uh, imports also up one and a half points to 56, growing faster than last month and growing for the 22nd consecutive months. So that rounds out the the whole list uh, of indexes that we track specifically uh, with some comments on how they work together and some insights into what they mean going forward. Um, and if we, if we springboard from this discussion of exports and imports, those uh, could certainly be impacted uh, by the longshoremen situation on the West Coast, uh, which I know you'll talk about more. Correct. Yeah, Brad, I see that the, uh, the capital expenditures uh, average commitment lead time increased five days. And I'm sure next week when we uh, have you on for the annual forecast show, you'll have more insight into that. Uh, an increase of five days, uh, is that a significant factor? Maybe you can help our, our listeners who hopefully have the report in front of them understand the movement there. 
Well, you know, five days, uh, let's let's keep that in perspective. It was 118 days in terms of uh, an average uh, days of, of to, to really receive, order and receive capital equipment, 118 days in October, jumping up to 123 days uh, now. So it, it's meaningful in terms of the direction, um, but it does it does bounce around, you know, a few points, generally speaking, each month, uh, up or down. And over okay, the so. course of the last four months, it actually has uh, cycled ex- exactly that way, up and down. In August, it was 119, then 120, back to 118, now up to 123. So it's operating in a, in a fairly tight range, if you will, uh, up and down. Okay, so uh, that's really approximately four months between 118 and 123, so I guess it's not a a major move uh, either way. Right. It's it's fairly fairly nominal at at this point in time. Okay, okay. All right. Now, Brad is going to stay with us here on the show. Um, We're going to... uh, uh, talk about what's happening on the West Coast. Um, but, Brad, before we get into that, and, and we're going to take a commercial break in a few moments, is there anything else about this particular report you would like to share with our listeners? Well, I'd like to, to simply summarize that this has been a very um, interesting and, and in, a, in a very positive way year for us. Uh, building almost continuously from January until now with certainly well-positioned to close off the the year uh, very well. And it's different than the past few years when one half of the year would be strong and the other half weak. That's not the case here. It's been running up um, and uh, has been rather continuous. And then finally, the, the comments from the panel are very, very optimistic, aside from those, uh, you know, concerns about the West Coast uh, situation. Well, we appreciate that uh, that summary of the report. Lou, anything that you would like to uh, chat with Brad about before we take a commercial break and then come back and we'll all kind of chat about what's happening in the West Coast? Well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to next week's show talking about the 2015 uh, forecast. Uh, to see if we can roll the optimism of 2014 into the uh, actuality of uh, continued growth in uh, 2015. Uh, And Brad, uh, kindly stay with us uh, during our news and commentary section and feel free to uh, uh, join in uh, on anything that uh, might uh, apply uh, from your perspective uh, as to what's going on out on the West Coast. So that will do. Said, just, just let me add. Just let me add that uh, when we were all together in Las Vegas in uh, the late April, early May timeframe, reporting on the semi-annual report, then that was a tune-up, if you will, for the forecast uh, for for this particular year. Uh, but the one that we do in December and that we'll reveal on December 9th is our most extensive work uh, of the year in terms of the length and depth of the report. It does take an in-depth look in all of these dimensions uh, to, to 2015. And so we're looking forward to visiting with you uh, on December 9th as well. I think that what we will do, and, and certainly we're looking forward to it also, I think we'll notify our, our listeners through email to uh, to in order to really appreciate uh, that whole conversation that we're going to suggest to them downloading the report in front of them. And so as you're talking about it, they will have it in front of them and they can see uh, more specifically what you're talking about. So I think that uh, will be a make sure that your pipeline is open that day because there will be people downloading. So that being said, uh, I think we're about ready to take a commercial break, and uh, we'll be back in a few moments to ManufacturingMFGTalkRadio.com. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. 
American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group manufactures open die forging in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit SteelForge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'd like to welcome back our listeners to Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we're going to jump into a subject now that's been kind of quiet on the mainstream press, quite frankly, and that is the uh, slowdown at the West Coast ports. Now, I, I know the longshoremen don't like to hear it as a slowdown, and I know there are a lot of factors uh, that are being tossed around as being uh, uh, impactful in a situation where ships are not getting offloaded, ships are not getting reloaded. Uh, we want to go into that in some depth. And, Lou, I'm going to give you the first shot across the bow on what's happening with uh, West Coast ports. Okay, we started. <laughs> uh, actually, this morning I got uh, online a map of the, the Pacific Ocean that shows 50 corks floating around waiting to get approval to go into the various 29 ports on the West Coast, and they are all in slowdown mode. And uh, we heard about this, uh, well, we as uh, All Metals and Forge Group uh, were involved in import-export, and we've known about this issue for uh, several six months when the longshoreman's contract uh, was up, and they've been negotiating, not negotiating ever since. Um, They have um, uh, created this slowdown, um, fighting for not money. Uh, there's jurisdictional issues as to which union controls what. There's health care issues. There's uh, potential tax issues on uh, health care that's paid for by uh, the steamship lines and the uh, ports directly to their employees. That Uncle Sam wants to grab a piece of that, and it seems as though the unions have a problem with that. Uh, I'll give you just some idea as to what kind of compensation that these people are earning. A uh, longshoreman um, who is working a 50-hour week earns $174,000. That does not include his $80,000 a year annual pension when he retires, and it does not include the $82,000 of uh benefits, uh, tax-free benefits. So these people are making some very good money. A, uh, a What they call a walking foreman, uh, he earns $233,000 plus plus. So here's what's happening out on the West Coast. Ports are slowing down. Loads aren't getting uh, unloaded. The typical rate at a uh, terminal is 25 to 35 Uh, containers per hour. It's now down to 10. Uh, The yards are backing up. The port itself is backing up. The ocean is backing up. One thing that is not happening is that trucks that go in for their appointments to pick up a load can't because they can't find the containers. Uh, Number two, the railroad industry as a side industry, which you never hear anything about the railroads nowadays, they're beginning to cry the blues because the containers that come out of the port that goes to the Midwest or the East Coast 
don't get onto the trains. So if you start bringing in all of the um, ISM Brad Holtham numbers and start looking at the industries that are affected, um, this can turn into a major crisis. And the beginning of this year, we, there was a weak beginning of, 19, of 2014 uh, with all the uh, great numbers that uh, came out of the ISM report uh, yesterday. It looks like things can go well into next year. However, as the economist would say, if this happens, all bets are off. So, uh, Tim, do you have any uh, comments on this? Well, you certainly correctly point out, Lou, that this, which originally I think started in the uh, Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor area, has now spread from San Diego to the Canadian border. And uh, in terms of our exports, U.S. exports of apples, hay, potatoes, and other agricultural products are losing those those producers are losing hundreds of millions of dollars because of the slowdown according to Peter Friedman who's the executive director of the Agricultural Transportation Coalition which is a nationwide industry group so it's not an insignificant hit uh, these products which are perishable are sitting in containers at the port waiting to leave uh, we apparently export a great deal of Christmas trees that go over to Asia, and those are not getting loaded on the ship. I understand by now that most of those orders have been canceled because, you know, it's 16 to 20 days across the water, and somebody's got to pick them up on the Asian end and move them to destination places, and they're not going to make Christmas. Now, if you flip that around, that means goods that were ordered from Asia coming into the United States for Christmas are bobbing around on the ocean. And even if they started offloading ships at full tilt today, it's unlikely they're going to get all the ships offloaded before Christmas. Those goods are not going to make retail. I'll take it uh, one step further, Tim. Um, because the ships are being tied up here in the port and offshore, new merchandise that has not yet shipped from uh, Asia and, and, and that part of the world cannot get on ships because the ships aren't there. The ships are here. So not only are we slowing down on the goods that are here or almost here, we're just going to slow down on the goods that are due to come in in a month from now. So right. this, thing, this thing could have a couple, two, three months uh, effect on us and create a very, very bad first quarter. And... Uh, getting to the point of, the, of this topic, now that we've absolutely terrorized everyone, is what is anybody doing about it? Uh, I heard uh, last week that the uh, one of the two unions involved called for a 12-day suspension of negotiations, um, supposedly because of Thanksgiving. Last time I looked, Thanksgiving was a one-day holiday, uh, and they are not negotiating uh, what they call big table negotiations so they're not they're still not negotiating um, where is where and when will the appropriate people I'm not and I'm not going to talk about Washington DC when are the appropriate <laughs> people going to get involved last week there was a a letter that was drafted and sent to mr. president uh, from 61 national and international organizations that are involved in uh, import-export into this country that have appealed for the White House to get involved. Unfortunately, the comment that came back was, quote, the unions will take care of it. And I don't think that's good enough at this time. And uh, I think that those who are really interested in this should take a look and see who your congressmen and your senators are and send an email. And uh, I'm sure Mr. Obama would like to receive additional emails also. Let him know that you're hearing it. Let him know that it affects you. Let him know that you know that it's affecting this country. Let your newspapers know that you know what's going on and why aren't you printing it? Why aren't you bringing this up uh, as a f upfront issue? Uh, Fergus, Ferguson, Missouri is getting old already. This is really hot stuff and is going to affect every 
man, woman, and child of this country. Well, Lou, Lou, you're right about that. You are correctly pointing out that, and by the way, it's about 20,000 members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union that are going to affect the lives of 320 million people. Now, I know that it, it's probably not all uh, the longshoremen. I know that the uh, Federal Maritime Commission Commissioner William Doyle has brought to the fore that some of the ocean carriers have had a substantial hand in the formation of port congestion. He brought up three points uh, that I'd like to talk about briefly. One is that the use of bigger ships on the trade lane causing volume surges. And we've heard about the bigger ships containing uh, you know, double the capacity of existing ships. And this is what the whole Panama Canal project has been about, is to let those larger ships pass through the canal. But it's not like those ships were built in a closet last week and they suddenly sprung them on the American ports. <laughs> these, these crafts take uh, years to design and build. So that's not exactly uh, an unexpected event. And the Panama Canal Project, Lou, you and I were down there watching the canal being dug out. And that was in 2007. And it was supposed to be completed two years ago for the anniversary of the 100th year anniversary of the Panama Canal. They are now two years late. We're probably fortunate because otherwise there'd be more goods in the L.A. port and uh, the situation would even be worse. Right. Now, I know that it's also been pointed out that uh, the carriers are not going into the ports. So let's talk about the carriers for the moment, particularly the chassis trucks. They're not going into the ports because they can't get an appointment because they have to wait eight and ten hours to get a load. And guess what? They can go anyplace else in the country and get loads and keep their wheels moving. And they're only making money when their tires are turning. That's all there is. That's uh, that's true. And what has happened is uh, the rigs have left California. Uh, they've gone out to get other work in the southwest and into the Midwest. And there's a fair amount of business that's beginning to crank up in Canada. So a, a trucker is kind of a lost, lonely soul roaming around for a load. If you can't get the load in California, you've got to go find a load. And we do hear from, uh, in, a, in our the metals company, we do hear from uh, brokers who are calling up asking if we have loads going from point A to point B. Uh, and they're deserting California which only will add to other industries that are leaving California, which will only make their um, California uh, debt even bigger than it is. Uh, so this whole thing has such incredible ramifications, and nobody but us is talking about it. So um, I hope somebody out there is hearing us. Uh, I'd like to see some of this in uh, the mainstream, the CNN, uh, ABC, uh, Fox, you know, all of them, uh, get involved. Uh, this is uh, this is the beginning of a crisis. Tim? Uh, I do want to mention that uh, one of the senior editors with CNBC has been on top of this story, but he can't get much traction beyond uh, the local newspapers in Southern California. Uh, there have been some mention in uh, uh, the Portland and the Seattle papers, but nothing where people are really realizing the incredible impact that this could have across the country. And I think one of the issues that the longshoremen are going to have to uh, consider is that at some point, uh, and I will tell you what that point is, that next year, 2015, when companies are buying goods and they're deciding what port to bring them into, uh, they're going to order three weeks early and they're going to bring them into the southern ports or they're going to bring them into the east coast ports because the ships float on all oceans, and the West Coast ports are going to take a volume hit. They'll be down next year. That's actually already started, Tim. Um, a lot of the uh, normal traffic going into uh, Los Angeles has been diverted to uh, Houston and some of the southern states, the deep water ports. And, uh, you know, once those people leave, uh, it's going to take a while for them to come back, if if ever, to Los Angeles. Uh, oh, clearly. L.A. L.A. has had uh, an issue in 2008. They had another one in 2002. Uh, it's it seems to be um, a chronic situation with Los Angeles leading the pack. 
That doesn't mean, of course, that uh, in sympathy, other ports can't just shut the whole country down, uh, which is probably a reach and probably not likely to happen, but it certainly could. Uh, especially if we start loading up uh, Newark and Savannah and uh, uh, Virginia and uh, so on, the Carolinas. Uh, But that's already beginning to happen because some of our raw materials that we bring in for our jobs, uh, uh, we do bring it into East Coast ports, but the time to unload ships and the time to get it released uh, from the terminals is taking longer already. So this is just a natural evolution of overload. And I think, uh, you know, I've been reading in in the papers about the dredging of the Savannah port and everybody kind of poo-pooing why they would dredge the Savannah port. It's quite a trip up the river to get to the port. They've got to move a lot of silt. Uh, Maybe they were actually prescient in deciding to dredge that port out because, uh, they were they're counting on getting bigger container ships uh, coming up to the Savannah port, and if this pressure and congestion, as it were, continues to exist on the West Coast, then the Savannah port can pretty much bank on that they're going to get bigger ships coming into that port, as will Mobile and uh, the Florida ports and you know Mississippi ports, Louisiana ports, uh, uh, the Baltimore Maryland port uh, that will get busier in New York and New Jersey get busier. Probably even up to Maine in some cases. Uh, Brad, uh, do you have any uh, uh, contribution or thoughts on on this from what you're hearing? Is anybody well, panicking you, you, like we are? You know, I, I haven't I haven't heard panic or, or that degree of concern, um, but certainly we've got more comments than than ever before that we're reporting on. Uh, expressing some level of concern, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the mainstream media has not uh, covered this, you know, much at all uh, to the extent that it's it's worthy of uh, keeping on top of. Uh, because I'm personally not that well informed as a result. You heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we certainly uh, appreciated having you on the show with us today, Brad. Your report is always very insightful. And for our listeners next week, uh, Lou brought up a great point. We would like to have you uh, go to www.ism.ws and download the annual report so that you have the forecast in front of you as both Brad Holcomb who's the chair of the Manufacturing Report on Business, and Tony Nieves, who is the chair of the Non-Manufacturing Report on Business, talk us through that important annual forecast. Fred, thanks for being our guest again. My pleasure. See you in a few days. Okay. We certainly look forward to that. And, uh, uh, Lou, I I know that uh, we may not have a lot of time next week. Uh, Just to give our uh, listeners some insight into some upcoming shows, on December 16th we have a very special economist coming on the show, Dr. Chris Keel. Dr. Keel is the FMA's uh, economist, and he is an economist, analyst, and humorist. Uh, I encourage you not to miss the December 16th show. Uh, Chris is a lot of fun to listen to. I mean, he really expresses what's happening in the economy in a fun and enjoyable fashion. Do you realize that you're talking about an economist being funny? <laughs> it seems quite well, unusual. <laughs> he, he, uh, he is, and we, we met him down in Atlanta uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was quite funny quite funny and uh, uh, we will be having him on next week and we are probably going to be having him on on a quarterly basis going into 2015 uh, talking about the, uh, the the previous quarter and a, uh, a mini forecast of the following quarter so I think that we are all coming to an end I want to make sure that you all know that who have joined late in the show that you can go in in about an hour, an hour and a half from now, uh, 3.30 Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to the podcast. And uh, we're getting close, and we're coming to an end. And, Tim, that's a wrap.
Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.